Amen. If you're a note taker, you can scan that QR code right there and follow along with my notes. At the end of it, you can put your email address in and email your notes to yourself, my notes and your notes combined if you would like. So this is the one and only time during the service I'll say if you want to take your phone out, go ahead and take your phone out and take a picture of that and it'll take you right to the website where you need that. But today we'll be uh, in Matthew again uh, next week and the next week. So Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we'll take a break from this sermon series and then we'll finish it up after Easter. Uh, but we are here today. It's our seventh week in this series. I'm pushing the bounds of how far you need to go in a series, but uh, we've only got two more to go, so I think we can handle it. But we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Uh, if you're not sure where that is, it's a little bit past this way of middle. So go a little further than the middle, and you'll get there pretty quick. I had a second one up there just for you, dog. Kelly's going to check it and make sure I didn't mess it up, make sure it works. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> Need all the help I can get. <laughs> all right. John, you want to hit these house lights, please, sir? All right. So last week, uh, we finished up with this statement when we were looking at the end of chapter 6, which chapter 6 was about worship. Happy and satisfied are those who aim at God's kingdom and righteousness because they will receive all they need. That's the end of chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All the things that we worry about that we really shouldn't worry about. So the aim is God's kingdom and his righteousness. What do we mean when we say aiming at the kingdom, aiming at God's kingdom? It's very simple. If you want to put that as simply as I can possibly make it, aiming at God's kingdom is being discipled and making disciples. That's what we've been called to do. Be discipled and make disciples. That is our job. That's how we live in the kingdom. That's how we expand the kingdom. That is what we are to do until we're called home or until he returns. Either way, it's good with me. I'm ready to live as Christ, to die as gain. Amen. So that's, the, that's what it means to aim at God's kingdom. And then aiming at his righteousness is just doing what is right no matter the cost. Doing what is right no matter the cost and doing what is right no matter the the lack of a seeming benefit. Sometimes in this world, doing the right things will cost you, and it seems like it won't benefit you at all. But God says, trust me in doing what I've called you to do, and all these things shall be added unto you. So that's where we finished up last week. And then we go into chapter 7, kind of, kind of a gear change from worship to behavior. It's kind of that kind of this, Jesus is kind of summing up this sermon at the end here of the Sermon on the Mount, and he, he's summing up like just he gives like four exhortations, four four encouraging statements, four last things to think about, and we're looking at one of those today. So the question that we have today, as we get into these scriptures, is: Do you have an accurate view of yourself and others? Excuse me. Do you have an accurate view of, your, of yourself and others? Do you look at yourself correctly, and do you look at others? correctly through a God lens through a kingdom lens through the way that Jesus has called us to do that that's the question that hopefully we can get answered today as we get through this so do you look at yourself and others accurately some of you may remember a long time ago 30s and 40s W.C. Fields he was a comedian uh, a juggler uh, a lot of different things and uh, there's a story that goes when he was sick and he wasn't a believer when he was sick and uh, to my knowledge 
when he was sick and in his hospital bed, a friend came in and was surprised to find him reading his Bible, reading a Bible. And he's like, what are you doing? He was searching hard. He's, what are you doing with a Bible? He said, I'm looking for loopholes. <laughs> he was trying to find loopholes in there, right? Sometimes that's what we do. The thing about Jesus' teaching is there are no loopholes. There is no loophole. There's no loophole to love others the way I have loved you. When you've seen a man give his life after doing nothing wrong and then come back to life. When that guy says, this is how you are to love, well, there's no loophole for that. But we try to find it sometimes. I uh, read a story of an old preacher that... uh, Old-time preacher, he, he was in his church and, and uh, ha- had a seasoned lady come up to him after the service one time, and she was just giving him the business. This is, this is what you do, and this is how you do it, and this is how you're messing up, and this and that, and just, just being very, very critical, very critical. You know, some people think that a critical spirit is the gift of the, is the, gift of the spirits. It's, it's not. That's not in the list. You can check all the lists. There is no list where a gift of the Spirit is being critical. But this lady was being very critical. And she finished, and, and, the, and the pastor smiled, and he said, If all, all that you say is true, if everything you're saying about me is true, would you mind to pray for me? Yeah. See, y'all were hoping I was going to say something funny, but then y'all were like, Oh, man. That one kind of hurt a little bit. It's hard to be critical of somebody you're praying for. I can tell you that much. Anyway, that was for free. Let's move along. So here's the verses we're looking at today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. I'm in the the Holman Christian uh, translation. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. There it is. Boy, we love that one. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and look, there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them with their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Join me in prayer, please. Lord, I come to you this morning, God, I just pray, Lord, that as we dig into your word, Lord, that you would, that you would plant it deep, deep in our hearts, God. Lord, we, we struggle to live up to your standard, but, but we need to be reminded, God, that, that, that the point is not to strive and strive and strive to please you. The point is to rest and trust in you, God, and allow you to work through us. Remind us of that this morning, God. Remind us of the, of the joy of our salvation. Remind us of the peace that it is to be reconciled to the God, creator, Father God of the universe, Lord. This morning, God, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that as we open this word up, God, that, that you can work in us, Lord. Work in us so that you can work through us. Lord, and we pray this morning that if, if there is anyone here today listening or through the camera listening or listening later on, that does not know you as Lord and Savior, God, that they would repent of their sins and turn and trust in you to be their Savior and their Lord. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I said this morning on Facebook when I checked in that this is like society's favorite verse, right? It doesn't matter believer or unbeliever, especially unbeliever. This is one of those ones that, that like, they may not know anything about the Bible, but somebody knows this verse, right? 
And as soon as you, as soon as you are in a situation where you are trying to correct someone or do something or say that's a sin or this isn't what the way you should do it, that's the first thing you'll hear. You hear it all the time. I've heard it numerous times in my life. Hey, 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 judge not lest ye be judged. Right? And that's what we like to do. We like to take this verse, pluck it out, and then say, well, I can do whatever I want, and you can't say anything about what I'm doing because Jesus said, don't judge. Okay. I won't even make you wait till the end to get the punchline here. That's not what this verse is saying. Okay? That's not what it's saying at all, matter of fact. So if you were here this morning and you were hoping that I was going to confirm that, you could, that that was true, that's not what Scripture is saying. How do we know that it's not saying you can't ever judge? Because the verse 6 is telling you how to make a judgment. <laughs> it's right here in where we're looking today. It's telling you that you need to make a judgment. But we're going to dig into what it means to be discerning, to be wise, to make accurate kingdom judgments at the right time and the right way, as opposed to being a critical jerk. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. That's what he's saying, don't be. Okay, so we're digging into this. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. Now, here's the thing. We've been in this sermon series so long on the Sermon on the Mount that it's, it's, it's easy to forget that all this goes together. This was all one conversation, one message Jesus gave on the side of his hill to his closest disciples, and the crowds could hear, but he was talking to his closest disciples, and he's been getting after them, right, and, and getting after the Pharisees without ever saying their name really throughout the sermon. He does that later, but in this one, he's just talking to his people, his, his followers. He's been telling them, like, the level of righteousness that is expected is way higher than what you guys understand. It's way higher than what you understand, but it's not about being self-righteous. Jesus didn't like the pharisaical self-righteousness. So in, in Matthew 5, 48, you remember several weeks ago, he challenged them to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay? Now, if you take that verse out of context, then you can, you can live and, and justify a very self-righteous attitude and a very critical heart when you go on about your life. So Jesus is flipping the script a little bit on them and saying, all right, here's the standard, but make sure you're applying it to yourself and not just those that you're looking at. Right? So here's the thing. Jesus did not want the hypocritical followers of the Pharisees to become the hypocritical followers of Jesus. I'll say that one more time. Jesus didn't want the hypocritical, self-righteous followers of the Pharisees to now turn to him and then become hypocritical, self-righteous followers of Jesus. So that's kind of where he's, he's at here. His heart is kind of here. So he's saying, like, refuse. Refuse to be a critic. Refuse to be full of bias towards others in the way that you're looking at them. Right? And judgment like that won't be passed on to you, he's saying. Don't, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the exact same treatment given back to you, which you don't. You know how I know you don't? Because if I start being critical of you, you're going to ask me to stop at some point or leave. One of the two. Nobody likes to be criticized. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging back to us. Jesus is saying, don't judge so that you won't be judged. Now, the word... Translated here, judge is, is like judge or criticize or condemn would be a would be a the way we use condemn now would be a very accurate English word to, to go with this Greek word. Discern and then decide would be another way to say it. It's related to critic or criticize. 
Okay? And the, and, the, and, the, and the tense of the verb that's being used here is present, so it's like a command. It's like, stop judging, is what Jesus is saying. If he were saying it like I would say it now in our English, he would, he would just stop judging. Stop doing that. Right? Hope Todd's listening. He'll, he'll send me that gift. Y'all remember uh, Bob Newhart? Stop it! But anyway, he said, he'll probably send me that again today. Anyway, chasing rabbits already. <laughs> Uh, Tony, Tony Evans says it this way. He says that when, when we illegitimately judge another, we're judging by our own standard. When we illegitimately judge, not when we judge, but when we illegitimately judge, when we are, have a critical spirit and a critical heart, a judgmental mindset, we're judging by the wrong standard. We're judging by a standard that we accept and that we know, and we're measuring everyone else against that. It's, very, it's a hypocritical critiquing of others. I love the way Tony Edwards says that. Tony Evans, excuse me. And he tells this story. I've heard it numerous times, different ways and for different reasons. He tells a story of when his son uh, was, was younger, was in high school. His son went on to be a pretty accomplished athlete. But when he was younger, he was all fired up because he had dunked a basketball. And he said, hey, Dad, come check this out. Come check this out. I can dunk. And he did, he dunked, but the thing was, he had had the goal lowered, right? Now, I could dunk on nine foot, I could, I used to could. I used to could dunk on nine foot, 25 pounds and 20 years ago, but I never could dunk on 10 foot. I could get really close, I could grab the rim, I could hang there like nothing, but my hands weren't big enough, and I just couldn't quite jump high enough, or if DJ Crane was still here, he'd say I just wasn't quite tall enough, right? 10 foot's the standard. I mean, it's cool to dunk on nine foot. It's cool to dunk on nine and a half foot, but it ain't as cool as dunking on ten foot because ten foot's the standard, right? That's kind of what we do. Like, Jesus has got this standard, right? But we judge ourselves off of this standard, but then we judge others off of this standard sometimes. Whew. And that's not a good thing to do. It's not a good place to be. So, one last thing on this. We'll move on to the next verse. The other way that this word judged in this first verse is being used is like a final judgment. Okay, So the first part here is don't judge others unless you want to be judged finally that way. On judgment day. When all things are judged. Laid bare. Your critical spirit now is the, is the way the Lord will judge you on the final judgment. So be careful of that, Jesus is saying. But then he kind of he goes a little differently here in verse 2, the way the, the way the word is used. It says, for the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. For the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the first part is saying, don't be like this, because God can do the exact same thing to you. But then the second part is saying, don't be like this, because the principle of the way things work is it's going to come right back on you. If you're critical, then you're probably going to surround yourself with critical people, whether you realize it or not. It boomerangs back to us. So the least that such an attitude can expect is to be judged equally in its harshness. If you have this attitude, then expect to, be that, expect to have that back on you. Uh, a parallel passage that, that, that's similar to this, but it's in Luke. And, and, and the way Matthew and Luke state things and, and put things together chronologically and things like that to make their points, their accurate points, is a little differently. So here's where it's used in Luke. Same thing, but it's combined with other things. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, 
and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. It's the principle of the point right here, right? I mean, it's as old as agricultural terms. What is that, what is that principle? You will reap what you sow. One time in the New Testament, God says, Paul says about God, God's not mocked. Don't be fooled. God's not mocked. You will reap what you sow. He's, so we don't want to be judgmental. We don't want to be condemning. We want to forgive. We want to be generous. And in general, those things have a way of coming back to us in this world. We reap what we sow. So not only will God judge us at the end, but we're also being judged right now by each other. And, and what we put out is what we get back. Another way you can say it is like this. It's almost, it's almost poetic the way Jesus is saying this in the Hebrew. Because remember, this is a, an audible learning crowd. They didn't have a scripture. That, if they had it, I guarantee you, they'd take it, they would have taken it a lot more seriously than we do. They'd have had that sucker and they'd have been reading it and studying it, but they just didn't have that then. So you've got to talk to people in a way that they can remember it. So the way in the Hebrew it would have been was like, if you judge harshly, God will judge you harshly. And if you judge generously, God will judge you generously. So he goes negative and positive to make it a memorable statement. And then he goes on to verse 3 and he gives this crazy illustration. I mean, have you ever thought about this? Like we, I know you've read it and you've thought about it, but have you ever really thought about what Jesus is saying here and what that would look like? How ridiculous it would look if we were doing this? It says here, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye? Look, there's a log in your eye. All right, now think about this. Never thought about this till leading up to this week, studying this week. This, this illustration makes it personal for Jesus. This is a carpenter's illustration. This is a carpenter's illustration. Jesus knows what it's like to get a speck of sawdust in your eye. He'd been around his dad. He'd grown up doing it. You ever had a speck of sawdust in your eye? Goodness gracious, is that frustrating, right? Have you ever, like, have you, how many, anybody here ever weld? Anybody in here ever doing welding? My dad was, he's a welding inspector now, but he was a, a welder and a fitter for, good Lord, I don't know, a long time, almost 40 years. And uh, a couple of times throughout those years, he would get a little sliver of metal in his eye. And that was, a, that was not good. That was not good. Have you ever had your eyes burned? from welding I did that once I wanted to die I literally I was laying there at two o'clock in the morning I was about 12 years old my I'd helped my dad all day working and I didn't keep the hood down like I was supposed to because it's fun to watch it I thought and I'm laying there at two o'clock in the morning with with a cold rag on my eyes and I'm going God just kill me now this is so miserable I hate it Jesus Jesus is making this personal it's, it's a familiar thing that he's saying you get a speck of sawdust in your eye but and you and you want to fix that for that person and, and hey they need it fixed. Sawdust in your eye don't feel good. But you think there's nothing in your eye. You got a log or a beam or a rafter would be, a, would be an accurate English word to use for this. All right? Think about that. All right? <laughs> Take that speck out of your eye and you got one of them sticking out of your eye. How stupid you would look. I'm oh, sorry. Ridiculous you would look. Right? But he says here, notice the, the language. Brother, brother, brother. Brother, the context here is brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister. It's, it's our family. It's the church. This is us 
This is iron sharpening iron, right? This is what we're called to do. We, we need to sharpen each other, but just do it correctly. Do it accurately. Do it with love. Don't point out and criticize and condemn the speck in your brother's eye if you have a log sticking out of yours. That would be ridiculous. And, and, and Jesus chose this symbol of the eye for a couple of reasons, I think. This is just my own interpretation. One, like we just talked about, the eye is a very sensitive thing. So talking about something being in your eye, that would make sense. And it was a very, it was a kind of a hyperbolic, ridiculous statement to make. That someone have a log, someone would have a log coming out of their eye. But he had just talked about it, if you remember last week, the eye being the lamp to the body. Okay? Well, it wasn't last week when Jesus was saying it. He had just made that statement, that the eye is the lamp to the body. And that if there's light in the eye, then great. And if there's darkness in the eye, then woo, man. And so he's turning that right back around and using the same metaphor. He's just talked to them about having their eye aimed at righteousness in God's kingdom. But now he's saying, here, be careful of doing this. Okay? One of our three critical actions that we talk about here, our characteristics, is sincere. That's all Jesus is saying here. Be sincere. We try to be sincere, serving, and sacrificial here. Sincere service and sacrifice. We talk about it all the time. It comes back all, all the time because it's almost like Jesus talked about doing those things all the time. How are we sincere here? How do we try to be sincere here? What's our aim? We want to be transparent, honest, and caring. Transparent, honest, and caring. And Jesus is saying just be sincere. But for those of you that are visual... This will help you. The, the next time you think about being critical to someone and you hadn't taken the time to self-examine yourself in the mirror lately, in the spiritual mirror, just remember this is how ridiculous you look when you do that. You and me and everybody else looks ridiculous when we do that. And here's the other thing. Why do we do this sometimes? Why, why are we critical of things sometimes? Why do, we, why do we like to point things out sometimes? I'll tell you why. In the deepest, darkest parts of your heart. I've never thought this, but I'm pretty sure you have. Because we don't want them to get away with it. That's not fair. That they're doing that and getting away with it. If I've heard that once, I've heard it many times. And I certainly have probably thought it once or twice. Here's the thing. Here's what Scripture tells us about that. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. This is Romans 2.16. Their competing thoughts will accuse or excuse them on the day when God judges what people have kept secret according to my gospel through Christ Jesus. At the ultimate judgment, it's all going to be laid bare. So it's not your job to play jury, judge, and executioner. And it's not mine either. There's one person righteous enough to do that. And that's our God. He alone is, worth, is worthy of doing that. So don't worry. You don't have to point it out so that they get caught or that, so that you feel better because they got punished for the thing that they did. Never mind the 47 things you did before that before you pointed that out to them. Two areas of warning when it comes to self. Because Jesus is saying, hey, examine yourself. Two areas of warning when it comes to examining ourselves. The first is this one. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this is James 1.22, he is a, like a man looking at his face in a mirror. 
For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works. This person will be blessed in what he does. We've got to be careful. We've got to be careful to be mere glancers when it comes to self-examination. When it comes to you and me examining where we're at spiritually and where our heart is located. It's really easy to, you know, I walk down this hallway down here 50,000 times a week. And normally the, the, the Sunday school room there, uh, down that hallway, going back that way, that door's open. And I'm telling you, 100 times out of 100, when I'm walking down that hallway, I look at that mirror. Every time. Why do we do that? If there's a mirror, we're going to look at it, right? I don't, I don't understand. I don't know if it's going to be like, hey, that's different. I don't know what I'm expecting to happen. But, and then if the door's closed, it always aggravates me. If I walk by and that door's closed, why is that door closed, man? Mirror. That's what, that's what James is talking about here. And that's a warning. That's an that's a area of warning for us. Jesus is saying to be self-examining. But, but don't be a glancer in the mirror. I mean, it's easy to look good if you just glance. You got to get up in there close to see them ear hairs and all that other stuff, right? That stuff that you need to be trimming up, but you hadn't trimmed up in a while because you're just glancing. Stop glancing. It ain't good for you. Take a, take a deep, good, deep, honest look. Evaluate. Why do you evaluate something? Just because you evaluate to improve. You evaluate to know what was good, what was wrong, what was better, what was bad, what I can do better to move forward. That's what evaluation is for. We should evaluate. We should be real and honest with ourselves when we examine ourselves. We should allow the Holy Spirit to do that also. But the flip side of that is, okay, this is where some of you are this morning. Some of us are mirror glancers, and we need to get real with ourselves. But some of us, we're on the flip side of this. Some of us are dwelling in the mirror, and we're constantly beating ourselves up. And we're constantly beating ourselves down. And, and we're forgetting that it ain't about you. You're never going to get there. The only way to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect is to accept Jesus' righteousness. You're not going to be perfect. So don't live there in the mirror constantly. I mean, if you're only standing there evaluating yourself in the mirror, there's a whole bunch of people around you that need to be ministered to. They need to, they need to have their needs met. And you may be the one that God has made to meet that need. So don't just dwell. This, here's the way Revelation 2.10 says it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. That's what Satan does. Satan accuses. Satan condemns. Satan wants you beat down. Satan wants you staring in that mirror all the time. And in that, you're being self-righteous because you're making it about you and not about Jesus. Don't let Satan beat you down, the accuser, the father of lies. Paul tells us that in Christ, there is no condemnation. Amen. There is no condemnation in Christ. Live in that freedom. Live in that peace. Live in that joy. Yes, do good works. Desire righteousness. But do it from a place of knowing that God has already accepted you. He already loves you. You're not doing it to get his love. You're doing it because he loves. 
There's a big difference in that mindset. There's a big difference in the way you approach everything according to whether your mind is set one way or the other on that. He says, so, so do that. Examine yourself before you're willing to examine the other. Because if you don't, then you're a H word. I don't like that word. You're a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. He says, first take the log out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Check that. First take the log out of your eye. But don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye. Is that what it says? No. It says take the log out of your eye. Examine yourself in the mirror. But then go on and work on brother speck. Because brother needs his speck checked out. That speck is going to become a problem. Right? Something that's stuck in your eye starts off as a minor problem, but it gets worse and worse and worse. Baby problems grow up to be big problems. Little dragons grow up to be big dragons. You can't ignore a problem and expect it to just magically get better. So, he's, again, he's not saying don't judge. He's saying don't be judgmental. Difference. We, we, need, to, we need to help each other. We need to be there for each other. One is an action the other is a negative characteristic, characteristic trait. To be discerning and to discern is an action. To be judgmental is a characteristic trait that we don't need to have. That if we say we're a follower of Jesus and a representative, an ambassador of God the Father, then that can't be a characteristic of ours. So, there's that. Anybody ever had to get something taken out of their eye? We, we hit on this earlier. I, I've seen it. It's right. Does the does the does the does the eye doctor? Does anybody want to have an eye doctor that's not gentle? Right. Or or or, or you know you go to teeth. That's like one of my least favorite things. Right. I was. I'll give. I'll give Forrest one thing. I'll give him one compliment, and that's it. <laughs> Forrest is a retired dentist, but. Force was a very gentle dentist. And praise God for gentle dentists. Whew. Right? Do you want to go to an eye doctor that says, oh, you got something in your eye. Lay down on that table. I'll get it out of there for you. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. It's the same thing right here, right? Take the log out of your eye gently and, and work on the speck in your brother's eye gently. That's what Jesus is reminding us of up here. And then he finishes up with, Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them with their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. So first off, again, last time I'm going to say it, first off right here, Jesus is saying make judgments. <laughs> here it is again. Make judgments. Be discerning. Decide what to do. Right? Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before before pigs or swine, right? This word here, krino, in the Greek, it means to judge. It means to distinguish and thus to decide. Distinguish and decide. That's what Jesus is saying. Distinguish and decide. Be discerning. Be wise. Make judgments, right? We don't, we don't say it that way, but that's what, it's, what's what it means. So finishing up here, we're first of all called to make judgments. But Jesus is saying, don't, don't give what is holy to that which is unholy. Now, there's, there's a context to what he's saying, and then there's kind of a meaning behind what he's saying. Now, the context would be, if you were, if you were talking about giving what is holy to dogs, and to, to dogs, that would be like what, he's, what they would get 
in their context is, when did you consecrate something that you would give to animals? When would you, you would consecrate it on the altar, right? It would be a sacrifice. You wouldn't take something that had been sacrificed to God that was then supposed to be eaten by the priests and take that holy thing that you've sacrificed and spilt blood over and then throw it to an unclean animal. Unclean animals, according to Exodus, eat unclean foods. You would never toss something holy to something unholy. That would just be appalling to the Jews that were hearing this. And he was, that would, like, they would get that point really clearly. Right? Don't toss what is holy to dogs. It was, just, it was unthinkable. And then the same thing here. It would be equally unthinkable and equally foolish to take something very valuable and throw it into a herd of pigs. Because whatever you throw in there, they're going to trample it because they're pigs. Right? We had a, I, I, uh, I posted a quote this past week about don't wrestle with pigs. Excuse me. I can't get past this. Sorry. I don't know what's going on today. A lot going on. <laughs> don't wrestle with pigs because you get dirty and the pig liked it. Right? That's what pigs do. They get dirty and nasty. They're pigs. That's why we use that word. There's that word again, Wayne. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's what he's saying here. But what is he talking about? Because he's not worried about you and me taking something from the altar and throwing it to a dog. What's he talking about? He's take, talking about his teachings. He's talking about the gospel. Think about that. Jesus is saying, be careful when and to whom and how you share my gospel. He's saying, don't just indiscriminately share these teachings. Why? Sometimes you're going to get punched in the mouth for it, proverbially speaking, by the world. Right? I mean, this, I've struggled with this this week. Right? I've done door-to-door evangelism. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. Before I start getting emails and you're already starting to type out text messages. I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying, Jesus is saying, be wise in the time, in the energy, in the money that you spend to do what it is I've called you to do. You have a finite amount of all those things. So do it the most effective way you can. At the most effective time that you can. With the most effective hearer that you can. That's hard for me to hear. But that's what Jesus says. Am I saying that you shouldn't share the gospel? No. But I'll, give it, I'll, say, it, I'll say it this way and this will make sense to some of you. Jesus, when he first called his disciples, what did he say? Come with me and you'll be fishers of men. Right? Come with me and we'll go, we're going to go catch people, not fish. We're going to be fishers of men, fishers of humanity, fishers of people. So here's how you fish, right? You take a lure or a bait that you think the fish is going to bite. You throw it out there and you reel it back in and see if you've got a fish. You throw it out there and you reel it back in and see if you've got a fish. But it doesn't take very long for you to figure out whether or not the fish are biting that. Right? Only a fool would keep throwing it and throwing it and throwing it and throwing it and throwing it when they got a tackle box full of stuff that they could change to. So maybe it's not the right time. Maybe the barometric pressure or whatever Scott could tell you all that isn't right. Right? Maybe you need a few more clouds in the sky. Whatever. Maybe you need to spend a little more time with that person before they're ready to hear what you need to share with them. I don't know. I don't know. 
But I do know this. You wouldn't just keep throwing that same old lure over and over and over and over and over and say, God, why aren't they accepting it? Maybe God's saying, hey, (laughs) I want you to go over there and talk to him. But all you're doing is talking to him, and he ain't ready. He is. I don't know. Maybe you need to cut bait. I don't know. But we need to be discerning. I know that. We need to be discerning in how we share, right? Jesus shared the gospel different ways. Be born again, Nicodemus. I'm the living water, woman at the well. He didn't have a memorized speech. You know, do it this way. We bad this, we're good at that. A, B, C, A, B, C. Right? Now, I mean, having something's better than having nothing. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm being funny, but I'm not being, I'm not being mean because I, I have done that and I use those types of things. I have. But... We need to be discerning, and we need to have a heart for people, not just for some formula, magic formula, that we think if we share this, then they're going to get saved. It's not, it's not what Jesus says in his scriptures. So here's the thing. Let's sum it up, and let's get out of here. I'm hungry. Amen? Amen. First thing is, this is the way the message says it. <laughs> sneer less. Right? You're worried about a smudge on your buddy's face, and, and you've got a sneer on your face. Let's sneer less and smile more and see how that works for expanding the kingdom of God. Right? But then, when it comes to ministering to people, because that's what we're actually, Jesus is talking about doing here. Not, but helping. That's the point, is to help others. Before you minister, before you help someone, one, take an accurate look in the mirror at yourself, Two, deal delicately, gently with the speck. And three, discern. Is this a sheep that wants to hear this? Or is it a hog or a dog? Hogs and dogs? It's not the time or the place. Right? Maybe it's a hog, maybe it's a dog. I don't know. That's up for you to discern. Don't go tell them they're a hog or a dog. That won't go over very well. (laughs) But, But when you recognize a sheep, someone that is prime and ready to hear that God loves you and wants to save you to himself forever, then share that. But hopefully, you spend a whole lot of time sharing that already and how you have treated them and established a relationship with them. Hopefully so. We'll finish up with one statement. So put all this in one statement. Take this, wrap it up, and take it home with you. A kingdom servant humbly and accurately judges himself and others with the hope of restoration without wasting time and energy on dogs and hogs. One more time. A kingdom servant humbly and accurately judges himself and others with the hope of restoration. That's why we're helping each other. Not to make ourselves feel good, but to help the person be restored to right standing with each other and with God without wasting time and energy on dogs and hogs. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll finish up with a song. If you need to pray during this song, please come down. If you need someone to pray with you, Stuart will be here with you to pray with you. Uh, if you want to uh, join the church or profess salvation or, or, to, or desire to get baptized, you could come down here and tell us that right now. Uh, if, you're not, if you're not ready to come here yet, then you can go right through those doors after the service to the Connect Center, and there'll be someone there to help talk you through that, prayer requests, baptism, join the church, salvation, all those things. Or you just want to go meet somebody in the church, that's a, go connect in the Connect Center. You can do that too. Whatever God's calling you to do during this time, we pray that you would do it. God, we come to you today and we thank you and we love you. 
We praise you, God. Lord, and I pray as we finish up in song this morning, God, that we would finish up in a way that honors you and glorifies you, that invigorates us, God, that we would finish this, this time together this morning in a way that you are pleased. Lord, I pray that we would all learn to take accurate, careful evaluation of ourselves and that we wouldn't be critical of others, God, but that we would have a desire to restore others, to minister to others, to help each other in what it is that we're called to do in this life, God. It's a tough life, tough world. We need each other. I pray that we'll be there for each other. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.